I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Three Wise Truck Guys. Keith Ely coming to you from a uh, kind of an overcast, rainy, snowy day in Lawrence, Kansas today in February. With me, as always, is my uh, two best friends from a wise guy standpoint, John Whitnell. How you doing, Mr. Whitnell? Hey, uh, Keith, doing outstanding. It's a beautiful day in Fort Worth, so uh, you can have Lawrence. I'll keep Fort Worth, and uh, it's doing outstanding down here. No damage from the ice storm? None. Uh, not to say that uh, several neighbors didn't, but uh, uh, I dodged a bullet, and thank goodness for that. Good deal. And Mark Martinsick from sunny Birmingham, Alabama. Actually, Hoover, Alabama, to get that more technically correct. Yeah, just outside Birmingham. The uh, weather here is pretty good. It rained real bad last night and some wind, but um, so it was cloudy this morning. The wind's still blowing, but it's partly sunny right now. So uh, high, I think it's around 60. So not too bad. Better than Lawrence, it sounds like. Oh, it's it's not bad. Out. It's like 40-something today. Just picked up about three inches of really slushy, slushy snow, which was most needed. It was most needed. Hey, John. John, I think uh, we got some really good response on the used truck podcast we did. And, uh, um, you know, you made the offer of, of the of your, what do you call it, your markets, not market survey, market. The 2023 market forecast. Yeah, the forecast. So yeah. somebody wants it, they can just reach out to us and we'll, uh, we'll send it to them. Then we'll say, call John Whitnell if you have any questions on it. <laughs> Well, well, Jen's the right person in terms of getting it in her hand. She's really good at that stuff, so uh, that'd be there great. There we go. And, uh, let's see if we can't replicate the, that success uh, on the service side here. Today. We got the right guy. We got the right team in place to do that. We do, and we especially have the right guy in place. We said you and I just get to ask questions. So hey, we no are going to. What's what's that, Mark? No pressure. None. 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 Yeah. None. What was the guy that uh, Mark that made the YouTube video? All I learned from Mark Martinsick. Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff just keep keep showing more and more how old I am. Right? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you collecting royalties on that, Mark? I mean, uh, that would be no, good. No, it's public domain. So, okay. No. Dang. Well, hey, we are going to turn our attention to, to uh, service. We're actually going to turn our attention to service. For the next three times, we'll do uh, some discussion on throughput today and probably some some more on throughput and tech production the next time. And then, uh, Mark, I think we're going to move into, and in April, I think, service pricing, which is uh, hot topic. I know you love that. So, yeah, uh, hot topic. So well, and there's a lot, a lot right now, Mark, to your point. Uh, you know, we've hit a surge of inflation, uh, a lot of labor inflation, uh, and, and how do you how do you turn all that around and, and bake that into a, a door rate that makes sense so that you can have a profitable shop? So that's a lot of people talking to me about that issue. Yeah. Keeping up with the market, keeping up with the economy, um, and yet most dealers are reluctant to uh, raise their rate more than once a year. So another discussion for another time, but it's a hot topic. Right. I'm looking for I'm looking forward to this as as always with with all these topics. Hey, let's uh, let's let's start off the way we normally do with uh, what we have seen out in the marketplace. What's good? What's bad? And John, uh, the the uh, honors are yours. Okay. 
Well, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, kind of close to the end of the month, and we've just kind of done our market. So I, I spend a lot of time on the internet uh, towards the end of the month. So I'm gonna—I've <clears throat> got the same issue for the for the for the good, and I've got uh, that I've got for the bad. And uh, and basically, I'm talking about uh, you know internet sales and how you make people aware of your inventory. And uh, and so I'd like to say on the good side, you know, there are some dealers out there and it takes a lot of administration to keep your website clean. When you sell something, peel it off. When, you, when you've got a new truck to get the pictures and to get the specs and everything right. And so I have been looking at a lot of websites, specifically with some really large dealers that have a lot of inventory flowing through their website that are really excellent at that and uh, and I'd uh, like to kind of call that out as my as my good you know on the other hand uh, you know as, as we go through and do some of our work we look at other websites and they've been some website refreshes where you know I don't think anybody ever stops and looks at this like hey if I was a customer looking for a sleeper tractor and I came across this website right here how would I find out which sleeper tractors uh, our 2018 model year trucks with this kind of miles and these kinds of, some refreshes on websites have been really awful. And I just would challenge people to go and look at, uh, look at your website as if you were standing out in front of the curb on your dealership and, and some night, go to your own website and, and have a truck in mind that you thought you were looking for and see how easy it would be to find. Cause, cause if it ain't easy, you're, not getting customer leads and they're not looking at your trucks they're going there are so many really good websites out there that you've really put yourself in in a hole and so i would just challenge everybody go look at your website like you were a customer have a truck in mind and see how easy it is to find whether your dealership has that truck or not so i will tell you john that's funny because uh the a group that we're with i was with uh, two three weeks ago we're looking at their oldest used trucks and one of the one of the one of the stores represented, uh, their truck was I don't know give or take 180 days old, and uh, we part of the part of the exercise was to go out on the internet to find out how many of this same truck are out on the internet. Well, there was a lot of them, but guess what truck didn't appear on yeah on a website or on the website that it really should have been on. Yeah. It was their truck. They had never put it out there, and and they never had a lead on it. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Right? You know, Keith, I sort of sound sarcastic and cynical when I say this, right? I understand how hard this is. Oh, yeah. But you yeah. know what? It's uh, it's more important than making sure you got a guy on the floor for floor days. But right. um, your customer, you might be in Pocatello, Idaho, and your customer might be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, He's now got some time on the internet to look for trucks. And if your website doesn't make it easy for him to find your inventory, you got work to do. That's, That's right. the only point we're making here. That's right. Okay. Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I want to talk briefly about the same thing. Not not John's same thing, but I've got a topic that's both good and bad. And it was in the, the blog I put out this month, which was um, doing more with less. Okay. Or also we call that productivity. And Mark, I know, is going to talk to us a little bit about productivity today and next time we're together. But, you know, the, the, the productivity discussion is both a good and a bad, a bad discussion. Certainly we want it, but how we get there, it's very interesting to, to watch people and how they try to get to that point. Um, you know, I see people, a lot of people trying to 
put a carrot out in front of what I'll call the producer uh, to, to quote, produce more. But the reality is that they don't have the support or structure to, to do anymore. The parts people are answering the phone as fast as they can, um, but they're having to walk to the back to pull parts. Uh, the techs are, are having to do things they shouldn't be doing. And, and uh, you know, John, you talked about salespeople. And even even now with, with uh, production still running behind what demand is, you still got to have salespeople out calling on people. And, and you know, you're, you're trying to push these producers to do more, but they can't. And so looking at the, at the structure behind that, and how do you actually take the load off the producer so the producer can do what you want them to do, turn the wrench, sell the truck, sell the part, but, but actually have all the, the background work, that structure in place. And, and I, you know, the people, the, the best part of this is those people that are starting to come to terms with this. It's, it's not a pay plan thing. It's, it's the way you do work thing. It's a process thing. Right. It is a process thing. So, and uh, you know, whipping the horse harder. Yeah. When you need to be looking hard at the process, is is uh, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. It's a process thing, yet it's still us building the structure that supports the process to make it efficient for those people to get it done. Uh, you said the key word, and we're going to be talking about that with service today specifically. But in any any department of a dealership, okay, if I want if I want my employees to do X, okay, obviously I have to train them. But before I train them, do I have the structure to make doing X as efficient as possible? Because typically, other than maybe the parts department, Keith, that's a joke, okay, guys guys pretty much are giving 100% or close to it. So it's not about working harder. In fact, when you ask them to change, there isn't time. It's the first thing that right. comes to mind. Right. So. We're going to talk a lot about that from a service standpoint, but the structure to support the process seems to be the missing ingredient too often. So, yep. Well, Mark, that's uh, John's and our my uh, good and bad that we've observed. I'm going to turn it to you now and well, my, what yours is. I'm going to start with the bad uh, because it just happened this week. But uh, I'm working with the dealership uh, for the first time and uh, haven't met the people yet, and I had them send me a bunch of data and. The data was much less than uh, helpful. Okay. And as you dig in deeper and deeper, the structure, the disciplines in place, uh, they've got 19 texts that don't punch from line to line on a repair order. Um, In many cases, never punched on the repair order at all. And... uh, so consequently, you can imagine all the data is totally useless. Okay, uh, we've, we've done some of these podcasts on parts and all the things you do to manage your inventory. And, and Keith, you're really good at talking to that. But it's the same thing in the service department. Your inventory is the number of people you have and how many hours you're paying them to be there. Okay, And managing it, knowing where that time goes, is just critical to any kind of success. So, again, that's real world. I saw it this week. In fact, 92% of the repair orders in a month never had a tech punch on it, if you can imagine that. Okay. So, uh, that's my bad. The good is, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to another client, okay, and uh, talking about finding technicians, which I think we talked a little bit in the last podcast, okay. And he has really 
focus not only on pay because it's, let's face it, folks, you're going to have to pay them more if you're if you're getting an A or B technician, okay? Uh, but focusing more on culture, focusing more on providing feedback, uh, focusing more on making them part of the team. And uh, I won't go any deeper because we talked about it last time, but. Uh, uh, this specific client really impressed me as to his approach, and he's been pretty su- successful in building his staff of experienced technicians so far. So I hope he keeps doing it. Good. 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 Well, those are some good good and bads. Appreciate, uh, as always, your guys' thoughts on, on your observations that, that you see out in the marketplace. Um, you ready to go, Mark? You ready to turn our attention to the topic of the day? I'm ready when you are. Topic du jour. All right, so we are going to turn our attention to the service department. We're going to we're going to talk about throughput and and um, creating flow. Okay, creating flow and 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 the purpose of this is is of course the quicker we can get a repair order through the shop, the more capacity we pick up from a tech standpoint, from a base standpoint, and 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 certainly serve the customer better. You know we've. Um, we've done as a company a lot of research into this and um, probably looked at what mark maybe a million million and a half repair orders over the last what six to seven years I'm guessing somewhere in that range and and looking at uh, at different different statistical models and statistical um, reportings that come out of those repair orders I know I know we're going to talk about lead time and and production time, which is made up of worked and bay dwell, this whole, whole idea of uh, dwell time, which is the lead time and the production time together, and of course, lag time. But one of the things that we've, you know, that we've, we've found as well is there's some distinct measurements about a repair order that lead to a much more efficient RO in terms of the uh, technician's efficiency and a, a much higher gross profit percentage on the RO too. And that's what we call the rule of twos. And those rule of twos are, are um, a measure of, of that there, there should be a punch, first punch on the job uh, within two hours after opening. That has a really significant impact on, on throughput. Uh, what we call lag time, which is the, the last punch to the close. And that, that really should be less than two days. And those are pretty standard for the industry. But there are some metrics that indicate that there's a lot of value in those. Those are not just uh, darts thrown. But the biggest rule of two, what we found, is something that we call um, the rule of two on production time. And that basically says, look, if you bill five hours, you shouldn't have more than 10 hours from open to the last punch, or excuse me, from the first punch to the last punch on that job. Now, that doesn't mean the tech's working on it all the time. It's just no more than 10 hours of 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 that truck in production. And and so that 2X rule of, of build time versus uh, versus the production time is, has a huge impact on, on gross profit, on efficiency and so forth. And so Mark, I know that's, that's where you want to head today, I believe, but we do, got, we do have a lot of questions and that we're going to ask you, John and I are going to take some questions that we've got from the audience and uh, some that we've, we've got on our own and ask you about this. So. I really can't wait to see how this goes. We're going to keep you on your toes and keep you dancing today. So, all right, I'm up. All right. So, first one is, you know, there is a um, a lot of press out there right now. Um, seems like we had to, you know, press about the 
you struck market last time, and now we're going to talk about what the press is saying about <clears throat> the shortage of tax and especially quality tax. Um, when I hear this, you know, when I'm at a dealership, when I'm reading this stuff, it appears that they're only focusing uh, on the need for tax to that there's only the only way they can increase volume is to add tax. And I don't know that that's always true. And so can you talk to us a little bit about about tax and increasing volume and and how you and your team starts to to approach this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, there's not one thing that's going to help you increase volume. That's why I guess it's a three part uh three-part series okay but for sure starting with the basics okay um, if you pay your tax hourly or if they are on true flat rate and we're not going to talk about that right now what the difference in, in types of pay plans but true flat rate where they're only paid for the sold time okay your capacity or your inventory is the number of texts on any given day and how many hours they're in attendance okay uh regardless of anything else and and that's your capacity and while i see every dealer looking for techs i don't think i've seen one in the last five years that that said i don't need any more techs right now okay uh they're all looking for quality techs uh their proficiency and we'll talk a little bit more about what that is or the percentage of hours bought versus build might be, I, I would guess, an average that we see is what 65 percent, 70 percent across the board of the billable hours. Right. So, simple math tells me that that uh, it's very, very possible to increase volume with the same number of techs. And if you are paying hourly, okay, 100 percent of that's going to drop all the way to the bottom line, mm-hmm. less anybody gets paid on gross or sales. Okay, the the, uh, and if you're paying flat rate, you should be dropping 75% of that increase to the bottom line. So, uh, But to manage that percentage of build hours to purchased hours, there's, there's three measurements, primary measurements, okay? Number one is productivity, which you mentioned in your opening comments. And in the case of a service department, we measure productivity, whatever you call it, and DMS systems all have their own terminology, is a measurement of how many hours am I in attendance versus how many hours were I punched on a real repair order. It has nothing to do with build hours. So if I was here eight hours and, and punched on repair orders for six, I'd be 75% productive. Now, why that's important is what happened to the other 25% of that time, if that was your numbers. And typically, it's time between jobs, time waiting for instructions, time waiting for you to get authorization, switching jobs because you couldn't get authorization, uh, no parts, having to pull the truck out and pull another one back in and so forth. But they're non-productive hours. They're... they're uh, waste they are if you've heard me talk about the melted ice story and most people have it's melted ice happening right now okay efficiency is the second measurement and efficiency is a measurement of when i'm punched on a repair order what percentage of that time do we bill so if i was punched on that same repair order for the whole six hours and we built six hours i'd be a hundred percent efficient 
So very important. It goes back to structure, as we talked about, of having the right SRT time, having ownership of the time by the technician, having getting the ad operations communicated to you so you can get approval to do them and not just do them and then end up having to give them away at the end or or not even telling the customer about the add-ons that they need and the truck goes down the road needing something and we miss some business and so forth. I want to stop there before I talk about proficiency. Both of those numbers, while they're very, very important, productivity and efficiency are always muddy. They're never perfect. Accurate punching will help you keep it more perfect, but a Typically, in the real world, the tech is not going to punch out when he goes to the tool truck. He's not going to punch out if he's going to the back parts counter. He's not even going to punch out if he has a question about what the torque spec is or how do I access this uh, software on a computer and, and so on and so forth in order to diagnose this. Where I'm not physically working on a truck, but I'm not being productive on the work on a truck either. I'm doing other things that are part of the process. So if I need to fix the productivity side, okay, that's more about process and how I manage my techs and the amount of work I have for them and so forth. If it's on the efficiency side that I need help with, that's more about the tech skills, still about the SRT times being correct and getting the feedback, particularly if he does those, okay, and tech ownership. And so. Uh, just uh, to Keith's question, those are all a lot of great points, but what you're driving at is uh, the technician shortage might not be acute if you're as productive and efficient as you need to be because there's a lot more work you can be getting out of your existing staff if you're productive and efficient. Exactly, exactly. And what we're talking about is throughput, so trying to create flow. If you get more work in the same amount of hours that you're open from the same number of technicians, you're increasing that throughput and that flow without adding cost, okay? the So, well, both of those measurements are muddy because nobody can punch 100% accurate all the time. Proficiency is real. And again, that is just comparing how many sold hours. We know that for sure. We have multiple reports on all the DMS systems that show us how many hours we build, how many hours were entered on the repair order and build. And we know how many hours we paid them or scheduled them to be in attendance. And that's all it is. Well, that's a real number. I've got to, if it's lower than what I want, I've got to decide do I have a process issue or what are my process improvement opportunities, productivity improvement opportunities versus technician motivation and skills and, and uh, special tools and availability and all the other things that affect the efficiency side of it. So those are three very basic measurements. And again, they have different names depending on the DMS system. Your DMS system might call proficiency <laughs> gain loss as an example if you're on Carmack and so forth. But the measurement, focus on the measurement. Productivity, comparing attended hours to hours launched <laughs> on a real repair order, not a shop ticket of any sort. Efficiency, when I'm punched on a real repair order, what percentage of that time do you sell, do you bill? And proficiency compared build time to attended time. Okay. So Mark, Mark, what do you find, you know, when you're, when you're doing this engagement with, with people and, and working on this productivity, efficiency, and proficiency, um, what's, what's the understanding level of, of, of these calcs? And, and I guess more importantly is, 
what's the understanding level of how do you go about trying to change this stuff, right? Not by not by punching on a shop ticket to make your productivity higher or whatever, but you know the the real message of hey these these are the I mean these are the basic measures of 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 tech performance and and it's what drives revenue in the shop. What, what's the understanding of of those numbers and really how to how to affect change on those? Well, first of all, the understanding mm. is is uh, usually I, I would say most often general understanding of each of those measurements. However, using them or using them to help manage or see where my opportunities are is lacking uh, quite a bit more than that, okay, or knowing how to fix it. So, uh, you know, maybe if I go on a little bit here on some of the other the other elements to help, help manage that, it'll make a little bit more sense because it's not easy. There's a lot of things. Okay, and how we start is start with the basics of getting accurate measures to begin with. <coughs> Excuse me. But the next, the problem for the dispatchers or the foreman or the service advisors or the manager, it's leveraging the skills in my shop. So it's pretty easy to say if I have 10 technicians working eight hours a day that I have 80 hours worth of capacity today, except that I have 80 hours of capacity only for the lowest skill in my shop. But when I'm talking skills, I got guys that everybody should be able to do general maintenance, PMs and, and brake jobs and fan belts and hoses and exhaust work and so forth, right? Otherwise, why do I have them? But when I get to electronic diagnosis out of 10 techs, I'd be probably really good if I had three guys out of those tens that excelled in that area. And there's about 12 or 13 typical skills in the shops. And now if I am putting, trying to put the right job on the right tech, how do I do that? Okay. I've got to know who's good at what. And the, usually the dispatcher, the foreman has that up here in their head. Okay. But it may not be documented. It may not even be correct. It's their perception of who has the abilities to do it and who has the abilities to do it efficiently as well. So when I'm making a decision, where do I dispatch it? I don't always know what the outcome is going to be when all I have is the customer complaint. So if I dispatch it thinking it's going to be something simple to a lesser experienced tech, I could run into a whole lot of trouble and lose a lot of time if it turns out to be something that tech is not familiar with or not experienced in. So leveraging skills we could talk about for the whole hour, but it's very, very important to know what your skills are and the measure against those skills with standardized SRTs and so forth, which is part of the structure that we build again. And and to that point then, okay, you cannot get that done efficiently without some structure for your frontline personnel. They're making those decisions all day long and they have to go out and get information to try and communicate to the customer and so forth. And the biggest thing they need is structure and information. So looking at structure, the first thing that I want to talk about is a triage function. So whether you're, you call it accelerated service or, or uh, rapid check or uh, express assessment or whatever your term is, that triage portion of your process is critical to you being able to manage the right job to the right tech and all the skills and keeping a tech in its bay on a job. Triage should be dedicated. 
It can be a rotating person. It's better if it's not, but it needs to be dedicated and it never stops. From the customer standpoint, the reason all the OEs are pushing this, from the customer standpoint, you're able to give him, give that customer information as to whether or not that truck is going to be down and how long it's going to be down and the cost of repairing it if it's not warranty. To your point earlier, you mentioned the rule of twos. What was the first rule of twos again, Keith? Lead time. Lead time. Less, less okay. than two hours. From, so from when I wrote it up and opened a repair order, less than two hours to get a first punch. If I'm not organized, if I'm not don't have a dedicated triage department, and if I don't have a plan B for when I write up five trucks all at once and so forth, that's not going to happen very often. And we get behind the eight ball. And the, we owe it to the customer to let them know how long that truck's going to be down and what's wrong. We're not going to find 100% of them, but our statistics that we find, our data that we see, is about 75% of the repair orders, we will get a complete diagnosis in two hours or less in a triage lane, whatever you determine. Now, if we get that, that allows us to build a complete estimate, find out where parts are, and now we know what skill we need to do the job. In most cases, a lesser skill than when it pulled in and we had to diagnose it. So it makes it a whole lot easier to get the right job to the right tech and keep those lesser experienced techs on jobs that they can be more productive, efficient, more productive on. Okay. So those are some of the, 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 the triage function is a big part of that structure along with standard SRT times, which I mentioned, okay, and, and standards of actual the write-up are you doing a download every time a health report okay and do we have the disciplines to do all of that so i know that's a mouthful but it's basically three basic measures plus the rule of twos how long did it take me to get to that first punch and am i doing it 80 85 90 percent of the time nothing's ever 100 percent in the service department right very good Hey, uh, Mark, if I could, you know, I think what you really kind of tried to do in a couple of minutes there was summarize the whole essence of what it takes to optimize throughput in a service. And I appreciate that. That was really interesting. Um, But let me approach this from a a little different angle, because you'd mentioned that uh, you were just engaged a new client and we're starting to exchange some of the information. Uh, So you can either answer it from that perspective of a new client or, you know, I think probably a lot of our listeners might be interested if you approach this question from the uh, perspective of a brand new service manager coming into a shop for the first time. But you'd mentioned productivity, you'd mentioned efficiency, and you'd mentioned proficiency. So those are the metrics that are are really going to determine whether we win or lose. How do you start an engagement or as a new service manager, how do you start the process of bringing focus to those metrics and making sure that the information's in place to manage through that? You know, start with day one, help us understand what you go through with a new client to, to start to change the culture of how they think about the business and how they put the proper level of emphasis on those critical uh, metrics that we just uh, talked about. So, so if I talk about the client I mentioned earlier, Okay, if we go forward, and it looks like we will. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, what, what, uh, where I typically start is what I call a self-discovery. Now, that's not the term that we sell to the customer, but that's the reality of it. It's to sit down with management, particularly the key service department team, okay, or teams if it's multiple locations, and 
and teach them a little bit about the financial statement. It's amazing how little they've been taught about the financial statement. But more importantly, because they typically don't believe in the financial statement, okay, they taking it down a level to the real statistics, to the real punch times, to the real repair orders, okay, that they do control and they do believe because they wrote them and they closed them and they build them and so on and so forth to to validate the financial statement. But in essence, at the end of that session, that self-analysis type session, okay, to expose the opportunities. For instance, I've already done some calculations. I won't share it with that team if we go forward. But I can tell you this particular shop has 19 technicians and they're averaging producing 5.2 hours per day per tech. Now, they're looking for more volume. They can't keep up with the demand at their door, yet they're paying the techs to be there eight hours or in many cases overtime to get a job out for a special customer and so forth. And yet they're averaging 5.2 hours per tech per day. The frontline people in the service department understand that language. They don't understand that your gross profits off by 5%. They don't know what to do to fix that. And I'm not, I, I, I don't want to sound like everyone's like that because they're not. There's some really knowledgeable people out there as well. But typically, okay, that's where I'm going to start. First of all, I got to show a need. Second of all, I've got to get accurate tech punching. I've got to see real data so I can see where the opportunities are. For instance, if you've been, if you've looked at a service department at all, and, and for our listeners, if you haven't, okay, look at whatever your function is on your DMS. Look at how much time is being moved by management or your or your frontline team in the service department, because the disciplines aren't there for the punching, because they don't want to get beat up over something looking bad or whatever the case may be. Okay, that's a sure sign that you're not seeing reality when you look at the numbers on those reports. In this case, it was really bad. I mean, really bad, right? 92% of the repair orders aren't being punched on at all. Okay. 92%? 92% of the repair orders were not punched on at all. Okay, now, now, and yet they're not, they're losing a little bit of money, but not a lot. They're close to break even, okay, in spite of themselves, right? But the opportunity is, I can tell you, it's very, very large, but I can't quantify it without digging down and finding out why and what's what's going on and how many hours are they really working and so forth, okay? Again, it's your inventory. You wouldn't manage your parts inventory, or John, you wouldn't manage your used truck inventory that way, would you? You wouldn't have trucks out there that weren't, that, that weren't booked into the system and, and not on a website and you can't tell how much you're going to charge for them because you don't know how much you got in them or what they're worth in your market or anything else, okay? Uh, I'm tracking. You're tracking, right? Yep. Okay. So we're going to start, we start with getting accurate tech punching and we start looking at two reports on a daily basis to, co to, to, to coach to daily. So the the closer I can tie the coaching and the training to the action, the more effective it's going to be. So if I look at yesterday's productivity, okay, and I see somebody worked overtime, yet he was only punched on our roads for half of the day, I might want to go out and find out what happened and coach to that. Not, not beat anybody up on the daily coaching, but 
but try and enable them to do a better job today. And it may not be the tech's fault, by the way. It might be the foreman's fault or, or we ran out of work. Nobody's fault, okay? But I got to know what's going on. I've got to know every day where every tenth of time I bought really went, not where we put it necessarily, all right? I'm not going to look at efficiency every day because efficiency is only the arrows that got closed yesterday. And as you know, many shops particularly this one, I'm sure we're still doing turbo closes, so I'm not going to see reality until I look at a much bigger time period on efficiency, okay, and coach to that. But the productivity side, I can manage. I can see if somebody drew overtime, did I know about it? Was it authorized? Why did we pay overtime? There's nothing wrong with overtime if he's productive and getting a truck out for a customer and so forth, right? But if we had to work overtime because we screwed up and didn't get that truck in earlier, that's a different story and so forth. So that's that's number one. Number two is effective labor rate or the build labor rate. And again, this has many terms and a couple of the DMS systems don't measure it very well. But it's just a matter of taking the dollars you sold, you build in labor and divide it by the hours you put in the sold column for those repair orders. At what rate did you build? Typically, we see that off from anywhere from 10 to $40 off of the door rate. So we were talking about shops that aren't raising their rates based on the economy earlier, yet they're still discounting. It's not unusual to see a customer that has a negotiated rate that's maybe 20% off the door rate, and yet we still discount some jobs below that. So again, the structure and the disciplines aren't in place. If the job gets away from me during the process of that job, okay, I've got to close it to a number that the customer will agree on, and they all have access to be able to do that. And if nobody's watching it, you won't see it in a report other than low gross profit and, and so forth, okay? So those are the only two things I'm going to focus on to get them started, okay? Uh, some of the other things that I would be looking at and, and slowly bringing into place would be how many hours did I buy? How many hours were on each RO on average? Okay, what are my build hours? Okay, how much time it's being spent in overtime? Okay, is the DMS set up the cost right for overtime? Okay, indirect hours or shop ticket hours. How much time is there and is it being moved? Okay, and a big one, a really big one on applied time. I would guess that seven out of 10 service managers, service management people, and remember they got the job because they were probably a good tech and a good foreman and so forth. That's certainly how I came up. <clears throat> Don't understand on applied time that it's an accounting function, that it's nothing more than the difference of what I paid the techs versus what I can account for and, and have costed to an expense account or a cost of sales. That's all it is, okay, in real simple forms. And they get that they get that big hit at the end of the month and they think it's accounting voodoo, okay, uh, so I don't make bonus or whatever, okay. But I, I would start looking at that and bringing those things up slowly, okay, as we get accurate punching and can see real data because the unapplied number may not be 100% right if we I have punching issues and so forth, okay. But those are big ones, okay? And right. if, you, if you can believe it, I also got to look at estimates and approvals, right? So, Mark, I, I will take offense to the uh, 
to the thought that accountants do voodoo. Okay. Now, personally, I, you have two old CPAs. Now, hold on, because I, I did not that. say that that's the case. I said that's the thought. I know it's not the case. Okay. If I said that wrong, I apologize. I know it's not voodoo. Okay. But I'm saying that seven out of ten, in my opinion, that's opinion. Please, everybody hear me say opinion. Seven out of ten service managers don't understand where on apply. They understand in basic where it comes from. They don't understand the calculation, and they don't believe it's real. It's the voodoo right. that we do so well. So that's yeah. right. That's right. Hey, Mark, I got another question, but but before I do, again, you've you've really put a lot of concepts on the table. So just to, just for my benefit to make sure that I, I heard you right. There are some secondary metrics beyond those the high level metrics that drive the business and and overtime and unapplied time and build hours and build labor rate. Those are some of the really big ones that right. drive productivity proficiency and, and and where your focus is as you come into an engagement or where a new service manager's focus ought to be as they uh, embark on a, a new service manager opportunity. Correct. Absolutely correct. Okay. okay. Good. Absolutely Good. correct. Keith, I learned something. Old dogs, new tricks. Wow. Hey, you know, for a truck sales guy, this is uh, this. I think I can do this. I think I think you got a new career ahead of you. It's just what you needed. It was a new <laughs> well, career. To make, it, to make it sound even more complicated, there's also you're matching estimates to and approvals to the RO and how it was billed, which goes back to process and customer communications. Then you got the whole back parts counter fill rate issue. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Hey, now be careful there. Okay, be which is there. which is a combination of of uh, both parts and service not getting along, not one or the other. Okay, um, not understanding each other's job and so forth. It needs to be open to communication. The whole tech communication I mentioned tech ownership of time. I would challenge any of our listeners to go out to the out to the shop after they listen to this whole pad, podcast, listen to the end. Okay, don't don't go do it right this minute. Okay, but go out to your shop and pick uh, two or three techs and just ask them, hey, Joe, what are you working on? He usually can, in most shops, he can tell you that. Okay, ask him next, uh, how much time does it pay? And I'll bet you that seven out of ten of them can't tell you what the SRT time. Maybe a bigger percentage of that, because they don't care. Particularly if you're paying them hourly. Now, if you're paying them flat rate, okay, they probably know the number, and they're probably talking to somebody already about trying to get more time, okay. But they don't know the number, and they don't care. And having ownership of the time and understanding the importance of of breaking even on time or exceeding time. Okay, uh, or having a reason not to exceed the time, okay, is very, very important. So there's no communications there or not as well as it could be. And then I'm going to open up a whole can of worms with three new metrics, okay, which is cycle time, dwell time, and lag time, which Keith touched on basically. Okay, I've been waiting for this, all right, just waiting for you to mention those those three things. And I, and I know what they are, but can you explain to us, number one, why we would even care about those numbers? Number two, what do they, you know, I mean, we've given the definition for them, but, but why should we even care about them? All right. So, so this is a hot topic. 
okay and and if you if you're reading the track the, the trade rags you have read about this okay if you're reading the service sections at all okay uh, all the OEMs today are focused on dwell time which is a relatively new popular term over the last five to seven years Keith probably okay. yeah probably right. uh, uh, in a service department, okay? So let's start with dwell time, okay, which is measured. What, what, what they're trying to measure is is the portion of the customer's downtime that is in your shop. So that that's what they're trying to measure. What they can measure is from the time you wrote the customer up until the job was done, which is defined as the last tech punch time. The last when a tech finished it and punched off of the job, okay, doesn't account for billing and, and other administrative duties and so forth. But how long was the truck down at your shop? So from the time we wrote it up, assuming you wrote it up timely when when the customer brought it in, okay, and to the last tech time. Now that encompasses most of the opportunity, okay, to get more throughput and more or flow in your shop and a whole lot of process steps, a whole lot of them, okay? Including two sections of the rule of twos. Keith, do you wanna highlight those two sections? Sure, so the I, I assume you're talking about the lead time again. So the open yep. or the, the open the repair order to the first punch and then what we would call the production time. So the right. truck being in, in, the, in the quote bay, even though it really may not always be in the bay, but but the open to the last punch. Right. Okay. First to last punch. So, yeah, so the dwell time is open to last punch. Okay. Then we have lag time, which is once the job is done, once we have that last punch and the job is done, how long does it take us to close an invoice to repair order? And that's when we get into turbo close, I call it. Okay, or pizza party, or it's got many other other names. Usually done the last three or four days of the month. Usually locking somebody in a room or staying late at night and uh, buying a bunch of pizzas, and everybody's closing ROs. And now, if the if the structure and the disciplines weren't in place to have accurate information and in keeping the RO live throughout the process, now I have to make assumptions to close it and we end up wasting a lot of gross profit. In fact, a couple studies that we've done and one that uh, I know of that's been done by somebody else shows up to 25% of my gross profit is left on a table on those ROs closed the last three days of the month. Yeah, I, I think the other piece of that is, and you talked about the, the, the dwell time piece of it, that production time piece of, of you know, the, the worked time, the open or the first punch to last punch being no more than 2x of the build time. That is such a big thing, too. And I mean, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think there's something like a 7, 10, not percentages, but percentage point, you know, difference in GP between those that meet that rule of two and those that don't. I think it's a, right. It's a huge thing. Right. And that's where the opportunity is that you talked about in the beginning. 
okay, if you follow the, the rule of twos. Now, obviously, we've talked about a whole lot of things here, okay, uh, that affect it. And unfortunately, there is, and we haven't talked about them all, which is why we're going to have a couple more uh, of these talking about it. But the cycle time, which is the one I missed now, remember, dwell time from open to last punch, lag time from last punch to invoice, cycle time is a combination of the two, right. okay, which is uh, from open, RO open, until invoice. That's really the life cycle of the repair order. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. okay. So how do you fix it? If you want to increase dwell time, how do you fix it? It's the next big question, right? Hey, Mark, that's a great question that you uh, that you ask. And um, uh, why don't we hold that till the next time on how to start to solve this, this problem on our next podcast. So that'll be the March podcast. Listeners, we invite you back to, to hear the as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. Hey, right. Mark, we really covered a lot of ground today, but a lot of, lot of, lot of meat there. So good, uh, good discussion. Appreciate that. Thanks. Well, thank you all. Thank you all very much. Well, gents, we had we we had another successful day. I appreciate you taking time as always. And for our listeners, thank you for taking time to listen to us. We're uh, we're honored that you take an hour out of your busy schedule to listen to us and. Uh, we look forward to having you back next time to listen to Mark's conclusion about throughput and how we start to move this needle. Um, if you want to learn more about the topic today um, and uh, have questions about throughput or productivity, efficiency, proficiency, some of the things that Mark talked about, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to info at keaadvisors.com or mark at keaadvisors.com. Go right to the, go right to the expert and, uh, He'll, he'll help you with your questions. So, gents, gents, uh, thanks again. And until next time, this is uh, the Three Wise Truck Guys. We're out of here. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.